Well, hey there, campers, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Camp Cryptid. I'm your host, Erica Fett, and today I'm super excited to talk about one of my absolute favorite cryptids in the entire world, and that is the Mongolian deathworm. Now, I have talked about the Mongolian deathworm a little bit in previous episodes, like the scariest cryptids in the world, and I was even very excited to talk about it for the Tubi documentary, The Scariest Monsters in the World, and it didn't make the list that time. Uh, I know they were discussing on which cryptids they were thinking about doing, and I know on the initial list, the Mongolian deathworm was there, but I didn't get to talk about on that, but I thought today, instead of just talking about little segments about it, I would do like a whole episode on it. And I thought it would be a really fun episode to kind of talk about more cryptid love. Now, I do have patrons voting on the cryptid of the month for March. So uh, I think right now the Flatwoods Monster and, oh, maybe the Beast of Bray Road is winning. So uh, I, I'll definitely keep everybody posted on which cryptid I'll be doing in March. But in the meantime, I thought we could talk about the legendary creature whose stories have been passed around for centuries now by natives to Mongolia. And it's a creature so terrifying that just by looking at it, it could kill you. So I'm very excited to talk a little bit more about the Mongolian deathworm today. So for those of you who don't know, uh, with the Mongolian deathworm, it's a creepy little, creepy little thing. Basically, the idea is that it's about two to five feet long. It has no legs, no arms. Some accounts say that it has no eyes and others say that it has like big bulbous eyes. So there is a little discrepancy there. So for the most part, though, it is mostly described as being a bright red color, almost like a bloody intestine. Uh, some people say its shape kind of resembles a, a sausage. So it does have a funny little look, but this little worm is very terrifying. Now, basically there are stories that say it is toxic to touch. So just by mere touching it, you can die. Others say that by looking at it, it can kill you. There are accounts that say it could spit venom from a distance that paralyzes and kills its victims. So not only is it extremely toxic to touch and just by looking at it, it can kill you uh, or, you know, just by spitting its poison at you, it can kill you. But it is said to also have the power to electrocute its victims. So it is basically a creature of just in complete chaos and destruction. And like, not only is it supposed to be like this creepy little thing, it, I mean, just, it, it's, it, it can electrocute you? Like, what? <laughs> so it's got some crazy, crazy superpowers, right? Now, they say that the Mongolian deathworm mostly dwells underground and it tunnels underground and it can sometimes be tracked above ground through the waves it makes through moving. So think almost like a sidewinder snake, right? It makes those like movements under the sand. They say that it rarely comes to the surface though and it usually usually is mostly seen in months where there is like heavy rainfall. So I think June and July are the months that they say that you can find this Mongolian death worm. But not that you want to, right? <laughs> Basically, since it's so rarely seen, this is why this is a terrifying cryptid. And it's rarely seen on excavations where people have gone to try to prove its existence. But it's mostly seen to natives uh, that are local to the area and that are traveling from place to place who see it. So, you know, there have been excavations that have been sent out to kind of find this creature because it's said to have crazy healing properties and who knows what other lore there is to the benefits of like taking the death worm or using the death worm. 
It is basically, it's a very terrifying little creature. And it was first documented in like book form in the 1920s by the explorer Roy Chapman Andrews. And it's a book called On the Trail of Ancient Man. Now, I will post uh, this book on Reddit for the Camp Cryptid Reddit because you can read it online for free. I believe that uh, it's around the page like 103 that he talks about this little excerpt where he talks to the minister and they basically say, hey, well, while you're out there looking for these other things, uh, uh, like dinosaur bones and, and documenting like how fast gazelles can run, they also wanted him to look for this being called the Allegorhi Horhi. And now there are other ways that they refer to it as, but that was what it was referred to in the book. And mostly it's just referred to as the Mongolian death worm for everyone else. But it's a little crazy creature. And it's so funny because uh, in the book, he talks about uh, Roy Chapman Andrews talks about like they were going to use like forceps to capture this thing. And he was going to wear like sunglasses to shield his eyes from like the the properties that they said that this crazy creature had. So it's, it's a very interesting um, little worm. And I I just think it's such an interesting concept and it's such a, a crazy cryptid. Like, could you imagine walking around and seeing this cryptid? But it is mostly found in the Gobi Desert and that's in Mongolia along the Chinese border. And instead of the Gobi Desert resembling like the Sahara Desert where it's like huge sand dunes and mostly like the sand, the Gobi Desert actually has sand, but it also is mostly like almost like a pebble and sedimentary rock that you're going to be walking on. So now there are huge bases in uh, the Gobi Desert. They thought that at one point it had way more bodies of water. So now the Gobi Desert, even though it's a desert now, there are signs that show that it over time has gotten a lot more arid and dry. And uh, there aren't many like huge bodies of water there like there used to be. Um, So you'll see some sand, but like I said, it's going to be mostly rocky sediment that you'd be traveling on while in the Gobi Desert. But there's barely any water in this region other than the few salt marshes that still exist. But mostly it's just dry riverbeds that flow uh, mostly during the summer months. Now, the scary thing is, too, is that you may find quicksand in the Gobi Desert. There's actually um, a spot where they found an entire skeleton of an herbivore dinosaur, a, a giant dinosaur, that was actually preserved standing completely straight up. And they concluded that from the way that the skeleton was preserved, that this this huge dinosaur actually fell into quicksand, which is actually really sad and unfortunate. But um, it is it is nice to know that we can conclude so many things from the skeleton about the, the region at the time. Speaking of dinosaurs, the Gobi Desert is like a huge hub for dinosaur bones and dinosaur fossils and dinosaur eggs. It is just a, it is like an incredible place for uh, people to find those things. They've done many excavations in the Gobi Desert and have found so many dinosaur and mammal skeletons from the Mesozoic and the Cenozoic eras. So you can see how long life has persisted in this, this Gobi Desert region. And it also tells you that life has been in the Gobi Desert for a very, very long time, um, and it's adapted. Uh, So I think that's a very interesting part to the Gobi Desert. Uh, you know, what's the saying of Jurassic Park, you know, life finds a way. And I kind of feel like this is why I feel like the Mongolian death worm just has kind of found its way, right? So, you know, I don't want to say that the Mongolian death worm, you know, absolutely exists, but also I don't want to say that it doesn't. So, you know, my big thing is and when I'm looking at like research and stuff, right, then there's no way that I can absolutely read every little piece of literature out there. 
But there's always patterns, and patterns are what I really base a lot of this off of. So when I think about what the Mongolian deathworm looks like, right, and we all know that worms are very resilient. Uh, There are worms that you cut them in half and it doesn't kill them. It just actually makes them duplicate, right? (laughs) So worms have evolved in a very interesting way. So basically, there are scientists who think that the Gobi Desert was way more underwater than we think. There's, There's obviously signs of erosion. There's sedimentary rocks. There are even trees of like shells and things that would be found on the bottom of the ocean floor that are found in this Gobi Desert region. The Gobi Desert was once way more full of life and vegetation because it had way more water and moisture in the region. Um, And that can be concluded from the fossils and the sediment in the area that had been found over the last few centuries of explorers being there, especially with stuff like dinosaur bones and people coming to explore. Um, Now, in Roy Chapman Andrews' book that I mentioned earlier on the Trail of Ancient Man, they refer to the ancient region of Mongolia as almost like a Garden of Eden. And they conclude that because basically of the type of mammals that they found from the age of mammals and the age of reptiles and stuff like that. So there, there's a ton of research that shows even the Sahara used to be like way more tropical, right? And there's research that shows like climates change. I, when I think of the Mongolian death room, I, if anybody out there has had a saltwater tank, right? And you've had a saltwater tank and you, you bring in a piece of live rock. And for those of you who don't know, you can basically get these pieces of live rock that have bacteria that, can, that you can put in a saltwater tank that helps, you know, either feed certain types of creatures um, that you may have in your tank. Or it could make, um, it could be a great place to have all of your coral reef growing off of, right? It, it's this beautiful landscape. But sometimes when you pull in those pieces of live rock, and put it in your aquarium, next thing you know, you're going to have these little things called fireworms. And fireworms are these nasty little creatures that will literally eat your clams. They'll eat your fish. They're just awful. Uh, these things basically hide. They they burrow deep within the rocks and then come out basically almost are like activated by saltwater. And that's when they go on the hunt. So I kind of think Like when it comes to a Mongolian deathworm, I almost think that it's kind of like the same concept, right? Like, so what if these worms have been burrowing like in the rock and the sedimentary rock that's down below the surface or like even have been burrowing tunnels and once it gets rainy out because they say that once, you know, it rains, that's when they're most seen. What if that water, that salt that's in the the region, because there's tons of salt in the region still, what if that salt and everything kind of reactivates them to come out? And so like that's my like sci-fi approach is that like I just think of the same concept of of like fireworms and live rock. I just think of it as the Mongolian deathworm is just down there like tunneling and stuff like that. And just when the water comes out, it's like, oh, this is my time. There's gonna be more animals out there because of the water, you know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just off on a crazy tangent right now, but that is my ideal when it comes to the Mongolian deathworm. I'm just comparing it to my saltwater tank <laughs> and totally just thinking that that is how that creature kind of like evades people because like right like the mongolian desert is is massive we're talking like almost a thousand miles of desert i think they said it's like five hundred thousand square miles of desert which is massive so how can you have an excavation that is at every single part in that area and they say that you know the mongolian death worm it's only in like very desolate regions right but who's to say what that desolate region is especially if it's burrowing underground and has been for who knows how many years uh and i just like to kind of like be like okay like i think it would be so cool well obviously not because this thing is terrifying but if it did exist like that would be the way to do it right 
But yeah, so I don't know. I think it's, you know, worms are incredibly resilient. You look at fireworms, the Australian beachworms. If you go and look on YouTube at the Australian beachworm thing, uh, bobbit worms are terrifying, ribbon worms. There are so many worms in nature that just find a way to thrive and exist. And I mean, if I go out in my backyard right now, if I go like move any of, you know, my stones or anything, I'm going to find worms. So I I just think that it's such a cool, I think it's such a cool little cryptid like this, this Mongolian deathworm is hands down one of my favorite cryptids. And I blame that on growing up with the movie Trimmers <laughs> because that movie, I watched that movie so many times and that movie was so good back in the day. And that is basically, I mean, they took the idea of a Mongolian deathworm and made it this giant creepy worm that's like in what, Arizona or something? Like, it's so cool. But, you know, there are so many things that it could be, right? It could be misidentification because these, like I said, these stories have been around for centuries now of, you know, locals seeing this this terrifying worm and having stories about people encountering this worm. And it's definitely something that people are worried about in that region. Now, what could it be? You know, I think of like the scariest thing, like a lamprey, right? Like I'm always so afraid, like if I ever take a um, ferry or if I ever go diving in like the Great Lakes that I'm going to be like encountered with this giant lamprey and they're so terrifying. Uh, But that's kind of what I think about when it comes to the Mongolian death worm. Could it be a snake that maybe got misidentified? We know um, even from Roy Chapman Andrews' book, there are multiple times when his expedition is like pitching their tents and at night because it's cold as shit in the desert, right? There are pit vipers that would come and try to get warmth around the area. So we know that there are pit vipers there. We know that there's sand boas. There are tons of different species of reptiles like lizards and uh, snakes that could exist in this region that have maybe been misidentified uh, and maybe people think that it was the Mongolian death worm. You know, you think of eels, right? And imagine 500 years ago, you told someone there's this giant creepy snake-like creature that can electrocute people. People would think you were like talking about a monster, right? People would be like, there's no way that this fish could have electrical powers. But like it can, That's and that's the crazy thing. So that's, I think to me, like you just think about like other species that are so incredible and like think about some of the crazy deep sea creatures that we've found and you see it. And you're like, how is that even of earth? You have this beautiful iridescent worm at the bottom of the ocean that's just like bobbing there lifeless. And then it just pulls down prey that's like 10 times its size. Like what is going on with nature? It's wild. So... I don't know. And the crazy thing is, is eels can shock you. Um, and it's 600 volts. That's so, that is so much electrical power that an eel has. That's terrifying, right? The eel kind of got me on this like whole tangent of, so we know that the region of the Gobi Desert has large reserves of copper, gold, fluorite, um, copper and rust are both conductors of energy. So maybe with the Mongolian death worm traveling underground through these tunnels that may be full of rust and copper and other conductors for energy, maybe as it's burrowing with the friction, it's creating almost like an electrical charge, right? Like think of it as like you just running really fast across the carpet and getting a charge and and charging at somebody. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it could be possible that it does have an electrical charge, uh, especially if it's going like fast underground where it's like already a, a spot where there could be friction. I, I don't know. I just think, I think it's so fun to come up with theories about, about cryptids and like possible random little monsters of the world. And 
I'm here for it. I'm here for the Mongolian death room. And I, like I said, I blame that on the movie Tremors, 100%. Now, like I said earlier, the idea that the Mongolian death room sightings could be misidentified, it could have been like, you know, a snake, could have been a legless lizard. Uh, the other idea, though, is that maybe it's just a tale to scare off travelers and people who came to harvest the bones of the dinosaurs of the region as Mongolia is very ripe with dinosaur bones and they were used for not only research purposes, but people in the the area use them for medicinal purposes too. So we know that Mongolia is also very ripe with natural resources and very natural occurring minerals like copper and gold and hematite and fluorite and coal. There's tons of resources in Mongolia. So maybe the Mongolian death worm was also kind of a little monster that they made up to keep people out of the region so that they didn't have to worry about people coming in and taking their resources and taking it from their people. So, you know, whatever the Mongolian death murmur is, no matter if it's a, a completely made up cryptid or it's an actual little electrical like trimmer type of <laughs> worm, like a graboid coming under the ground in, in the Gobi Desert, either way, it's a fun story and it's a fun cryptid. And I think I said in my my one episode about the scariest cryptid in the world, I would love to go to Mongolia because it does look absolutely beautiful. But it also would be very terrifying to think that I'm like 10%, right? I'm 10% that, you know, the Mongolian death room could exist. But that 10% is pretty terrifying, especially if any of these properties about it could be true. Like if I go there and I swear some kind of worm pops up out of the sand and like spits me with some venom, I'm going to be so mad. (laughs) I'd be like that 90% doubt. No. (laughs) But either way, like I said, the Mongolian death room is such a fun cryptid. I mean, it's so fun that if you look in lots of popular culture, they have incorporated the Mongolian death room, right? Like I said, Tremors from what was that, the 90s? I don't even remember when Tremors came out, but Tremors in the 90s, that is basically the Mongolian death room. It's a lot bigger than the Mongolian death room, but I I would rather take a two to five (laughs) foot worm than the giant graboid because no way. Dune, you've got the sandworm. Um, even MetaZoo, the card game, had a, a little cute little death worm card. Uh, in World of Warcraft, I'm a World of Warcraft girl. I've played since like 2004. <laughs> um, but there are tons of different worms. And uh, the cool thing is, is like in the game, the NPC worms, they'll basically, you'll tell that they're there because some of them have like um, almost like gravel, ra- like rumbling so you know if you walk across the area, a worm's going to pop up. Uh, I think they can actually, I don't have a hunter. <laughs> That's the one tune I haven't made, but there's uh, there's plenty of worms, even uh, in Shadowlands, one of the most recent uh, expansions. They have a worm that you can actually, I think it's called a death worm, that you can basically tame to make it your pet. So I love that. There are other, like I said, though, they have had so many different types of worms that are in that game that are kind of based off the Mongolian death worm. So I absolutely love it. I honestly, World of Warcraft incorporates a lot of like cryptids and because there's like yetis and Sasquatch and Bigfoot and stuff like that. And it's my favorite. Uh, but they do have a lot of weird like little creatures like that. So I'll have to if I'm doing like random like random episodes that are on cryptids, I'll have to make sure that, you know, there there are none in like video games, but. 
But if I'm missing a video game that has the Mongolian deathworm or a worm like the Mongolian deathworm, please let me know um, because I'll have to, I would love, honestly, I would love to sit down with, like, especially with some of these cryptids, I love to sit down with people who may specialize in these to kind of like go back and forth on theories because theories are fun, right? Like there's no right or wrong way to go about it. And like, even one of you may, may develop your own theory about what the Mongolian deathworm is. And I love that. I love that. I hope this inspires you to go out there there and literally let's go find all these crazy creatures right but i mean like i said a mongolian deathworm is a cool cool little cryptid and it's been featured in so many things in pop culture and it's just a fun little thing to talk about so i thought that it would be a little fun episode today to just kind of talk about this little creepy guy and 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 have some fun with it but yeah so that is that is my little Mongolian death room uh, episode, and I'm really excited because I I love talking about cryptids and I love talking about creatures. It's so fun, but I also love talking about all of your stories that are from you listeners. So if y'all have a creepy experience or a cryptid you'd like to talk about, or you know if if there's like some kind of experience you had that you're like I saw the Loch Ness monster, please send it in to me so I can read it for a Campfire Tales episode. Episode. And I, I love reading your stories. It's my favorite. I'll be doing another Campfire Tales in March. So I have a lot of stories to go through, but also I am always accepting new stories. So like I said, uh, you can go to campcryptedpod.com. There's a little contact section where you can leave me your story. Or hey, like I said, if you have a a reference that you've seen the Mongolian death Roman, please let me know. Either you can leave in the comments on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or you can just send me a message on the website. Either way, I'm super happy. But yeah, uh, in the meantime, I hope y'all have been having a great week. I finished uh, the season finale of True Detective. I loved it. I cried at the end. I was like, this is so, this is so good. It's so, oh God, it was like, oh, my heart. Um, and I also completely unrelated. I have been, I signed up for Netflix again. Oh, I hate myself for it, but I started watching Love is Blind again. So, um, <laughs> tell me, tell me why I did that. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's what I have going on this week. Nothing too exciting. I'm trying to get all the fun stuff scheduled for March and get some cosplays in store. And, uh, I have been posting some supplemental like pictures and theme stuff that I do on my Camp Crypto Patreon. Uh, you guys can all follow for free. There's no, there's no, you know, expectation to sign up on one of the tiers, but hey, follow for free because I post the episodes, I post behind the scenes, uh, and I post my little theme cosplay shoots on there too. So it's a lot of fun. So we have like a fun little community on there, but. And I just want to thank you all so much for hanging out with me and talking about the coolest little cryptid, the Mongolian death Rumi. It's one of my favorites. And I honestly, like, I, I could I could talk about this little guy for, like, an entire season. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much, y'all, for hanging out. I really appreciate it. Until next time, take care. <laughs>